Thanks, Natalie. Good morning, everybody. My name's Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. Natalie, I just had a quick question for you. If you don't drink coffee, are you still able to come to the coffee talks? Yes, we have tea. Okay. Oh, tea and hot, and hot chocolate? Okay, good. What about Coke Zero? Do you got Coke Zero? That's really what I'm all about, so... Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. We're going to pray together as we move into this time of teaching. And uh, this month, we've been praying for uh, area churches, joining with other churches around us to pray for one another. And uh, so there's five or six other churches joining in with us, and we're all praying for uh, the Vineyard Church this morning. That's just down the road from here, Pastor Mark and, and their community, that God would be doing new things in their life together this year. And uh, Mark shared with me this week that his mother-in-law passed away just, uh, just last week, and he's heading there with his family and uh, they're actually going to stay for a little bit of an extended time to celebrate her life, but also uh, be around other family members to encourage them and be with them during this time of loss. So I want to pray especially for Mark in that season, um, but also lift up the church. And then we'll also want to pray for our time together this morning. So will you talk to God with me and, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for a chance to be with you this morning and with one another. We thank you for these songs that we were able to sing that remind us of what is true and good, that that you have expressed your love to us through your son, Jesus, that you created us to be in relationship with you and with one another, and that you are working in our lives to draw us closer to you, that you're helping us to be transformed, that we might live in a new way. And so we invite you, Spirit of God, to speak to us today as we open up scripture, as we talk about how Jesus invited us to live. Uh, Spirit of God, would you convict us and challenge us and encourage us and correct us, and help us to walk out of here differently than we came in, that we might see you doing something new in our lives together. This morning, we want to lift to you the, the Vineyard Church just down the road here, and um, the people that uh, gather there to worship you, to study scripture, to serve their community. Lord, we pray that you would bless them this morning, even right now as they're gathering together, that as you're moving and working here, that you would be wor moving and working there as well. And we we thank you for Pastor Mark and the staff team at the Vineyard and pray especially for Mark at, with the loss of his uh, mother-in-law and um, the sadness there, Lord. We pray for his wife and their, and their family as they remember the life of their mom. Uh, Lord, allow Mark to be an encouragement in, in the midst of that time. And would you continue to comfort him and strengthen him as he mourns the loss as well. Uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, churches around us that are uh, lifting up the name of Jesus, that are making a difference in our community, and we pray that you would continue to remind us that we're part of something bigger. We're part of your church moving uh, here in Kansas City, moving around the world, that we get to be involved in what you're doing today, um, bringing hope and joy and, and new life to those around us. As we open up scripture now, would you speak to us? And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I'm wondering if you're uh, cleaning up your Christmas stuff yet. Anybody still have Christmas things out in their house? Any? Yeah, be, be proud. There you go. Yeah, we want to hold on to it as long as possible. Uh, this last week, we've started to clean up our Christmas uh, decorations and uh, get them packed away for another year. Uh, the only thing left really for us to do is that monstrosity of a tree that I've got to fit back into a small box. We have a fake tree, and every year I get to this time where I have to try to fold it back up, and uh, I wish it was like an umbrella, but it's not. I have to fight it back into that box, and so I'll be taking that on later this week. But we've got most everything else put away, um, all the nativity sets, ribbons, red pillows, stars, all that stuff, and um, I've moved off of my Spotify Christmas playlist 
And um, I had a good cry about that this week as I was shutting that one down. Uh, but, you know, it's that season's behind us. It's time to move into something new. And uh, as we're putting things away, I don't know if you ever do this, but whenever we're kind of redecorating or putting things back into storage, we're always evaluating. Are we going to need this thing? Are we going to use it next time? Uh, so, you know, there's an organizer called Marie Kondo. You guys heard of Marie Kondo? She's a, you know, a life organizer, consultant, TV personality. She's helped a lot of people simplify their lives in good ways. And she has a process. It's very simple. She says, come to an item in your home. If you're not sure if you should keep it or not, pick up that item. I've got my huge wooden paper clip here this morning. Uh, pick up that item. And she says, you ask one question. Does this spark joy for me right now? It's sparking joy. And he, she said, you should feel it in your, your body. There should be a physical reaction. And if that thing sparks joy, she says, hold on to it. Keep it. If it doesn't spark joy, she says, it's time to release it and let it go. Give it away. Throw it away. You know, with gratitude, just release it back. It's a, it's a good way to simplify and organize your life. So this last week, I was picking up that Christmas doily. Does it spark joy? Absolutely not. It's out, you know. That, that broken light globe that we use to illuminate the front of the house we're used to use until it broke, you know, does it spark joy? It sparks somewhere, but it's not bringing joy. It's broken, so that's out. You know, that half-drunk uh, gallon of eggnog with cinnamon in it. Is that sparking joy? That's fireworks for me, man. I'm all about the eggnog, so we're keeping that for a little bit longer. Um, but it, it's a great way to reduce uh, clutter around your house, to simplify things. It's great. But, but here's the problem that I want to talk about this morning. The problem is that some of us approach uh, relationships in our life with the same kind of question. The problem is when we think about other people, sometimes we say, do they spark joy for me? Do they contribute to my life? Are they bringing good things into my life? If they're not, then I'm going to cut them out. Then I'm going I'm to move away. I'm going to pass them by and move on to something else. We, we hear this a lot in our culture today. People saying, they don't spark joy, just let them go. Now, there is some wisdom in thinking about who do you allow into your life? Who do you open your heart to? Who do you spend time with and invest time with? There's this wise saying, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And there's some wisdom there that those that you open your life to, they're going to kind of start to move your life in some new ways. We need to think about that. But there's also this movement in our culture to identify people's value based on what they contribute to me what they bring to me. So you'll see uh, on YouTube the videos out there about how to crush negative people from your life. You know, and there's influencers and people with platforms that will say things like this, uh, I have no time for people that pull me down. Or if you don't bring something to my life, I'm cutting you out. Or I've got no time for your drama. I don't need you in my life. And we start to hear those and we begin to think about people that way. We begin to evaluate them if they bring value to me, do they, do they benefit me or not? If they don't bring a benefit to me, then I'm going to cut them out of my life. And Jesus offers us a different way. Jesus invites us to live in a different way. He said things like, love your enemies. He said things like, humble yourself and lift up those around you, especially those that are overlooked. It was a lesson that his closest friends had to learn uh, watching him live life for several years. They began to understand what it meant to be humble and to, to lift up those around you. Last week, we focused in on our vision statement as a church. As we're beginning this new year, we want to focus in on our vision, pursuing new life together in Jesus. Pursuing new life together in Jesus. 
And we talked about there's, there's three movements that that vision brings out of us. There's three responses that we can have when we think about that vision. First, we want to follow Jesus. Second, we want to welcome everyone. And third, we want to love all people. And we, we talked about how this is our vision as a church. We want to be about this type of life that Jesus invites us to live. And last week, we, we focused in on, on following Jesus. And we went to a passage in Luke chapter 9, a place where Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, who do you say that I am? He said, let's define this relationship. Uh, who, who do you say that I am? And we said, what would it be like if Jesus sat across from you at the table and asked you that question? He said, who, who do you say that I am? And we said, we want to be followers of Jesus. We don't want to simply be fans of Jesus, people who think he's interesting and, and important, but we want to actually follow him. We want to place our lives under his authority and under his grace. We want to allow him to change us that we might be more like him in this world. We want to surrender our lives to him. So we talked about that last week. This morning, we want to focus in on welcoming everyone and loving all, that part of our vision. What does it look like to welcome and love people around us? What, what does it take to display that kind of acceptance and that kind of investment in those around you? I don't know about your story, but I'm just so thankful that people didn't write me off because I didn't add value to their life. I'm so thankful that people didn't dismiss me because I might have tried to pull them down. Uh, quite, quite literally at times, physically tried to tackle them. I had, when I was in high school, my youth leaders, I, had to, I wanted to take them out a lot of times. I don't know why, but I wanted to wrestle them to the ground. And, uh, you know, they put up with me. They dealt with that. Even in sixth grade, when, in my pre-deodorant phase, you know, they would kind of put up with me. You could see the frustration on their face, and yet they continued to show up and to invest in me, and to love me, and care about me. As an adult, I know there's times when I've hurt people with my words, when I've undercut people because of my jealousy, and they have chosen not to abandon me, but to confront me, and to forgive me, and to stick with me. And because they've done that, I've been able to grow and become something else over time. They haven't abandoned me, but they've allowed grace. They've given me grace that I don't deserve, and stuck with me. That's how Jesus invites us to live out. So I want to go back to Luke chapter 9. If you've got your Bible with you, we looked at this passage last week. We're going to look at another part of Luke chapter 9 this morning. Uh, there's a lot that happens in this chapter where Jesus is helping his disciples understand what does it look like to live life in, in Jesus' way. So we're going to go back to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verse uh, 46. We're going to start there. And, and at the beginning of, of chapter 9, uh, Jesus is calling his disciples. He says, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to do what I've been doing. You've watched me do it. Now it's time for you to do it. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to preach the kingdom of God. I want you to heal those who are sick. And in uh, uh, verse 5, he says to them, if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. We're going to get to that dust shaking in just a few minutes. But they go out and they come back, and a few weeks later we find him in verse 46, again, still trying to learn what does it mean to welcome everyone and to love all. Verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then Jesus said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For whoever is least among you, among all of you, is the greatest. They're getting into this argument, his followers, about who is going to be first place. Who's going to be the greatest? 
I wonder what that sounded like as they were arguing about this. My, I think maybe they were thinking about uh, the Old Testament season when, when Israel was a world power. And now Jesus is here, this great rabbi, this Messiah, the, the Son of God, and they believe that he's going to turn things around. And Israel's going to be a world power again. He's going to get them out from underneath the oppression of Rome. And in my mind, I think they probably thought of like King David and King David's mighty men, those that, that were around David that had positions of power and, and influence and privilege. They maybe were thinking about King Solomon and those in his court. Or maybe they went back to the book of Judges and they thought about Ehud and Samson and Deborah and these, these great leaders of Israel that had people around them, their entourage, that they gave places of position and power to. And the disciples are like, we're gonna be there soon. Jesus is gonna, he's gonna be in power and we're the chosen ones around him. We're his disciples and we get to have those positions. What did that argument sound like? I wonder if Andrew was like, hey, well, I was the first one chosen, so I'm the greatest, you know? Was Matthew like, I've got all the money. I got all this money. I'm the greatest. Maybe uh, John was like, well, you guys all know that I'm the beloved one. Jesus loves me the most, you know? And James is like, well, he calls me thunder because I get stuff done. That's why I'm the greatest. How, what did that argument sound like? I wonder if it got physical. I wonder if they hurt each other's feelings. However it was playing out, Jesus knew it was taking place, and he knew it was something he had to address. So he finds a child, and he brings this child before them, and he says, you want to be great? You want to be in first place? He says, if that's true, then you need to learn how to welcome this child. Welcome this child into your life. To welcome someone in Jesus' day, it meant to give them a place of honor and respect. Who you welcomed into your home, who you welcomed around your table was was important in Jesus' day. There was cultural kind of connections to that. And you might welcome a peer, someone kind of on the same social level as you are. You might sometimes be able to get someone on a higher level than you. If you had a special wedding or some special event at your home, you could invite them and they might come. But you would never bring in someone who was on a lower social tier than you were on. You would kind of have a, a line where you're like, well, I'm not going to cross that line. I'm only going to make sure they're on my level or greater. And Jesus was beginning to challenge that for his disciples because Jesus broke the social norms all the time. He walked into one village and saw a tax collector in a tree and he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner at your house tonight. Now Zacchaeus was at a different level than Jesus was. As a tax collector for Rome, he was, he was down here socially. Nobody liked him. They, didn't, they talked bad about Zacchaeus. And Jesus as a rabbi, as a powerful spiritual leader, he was definitely at a higher level. But he said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. I'm going to be at your house. Because Jesus was beginning to help people change their understanding of what was acceptable in their environment as a follower of Jesus. Now, of course, in, in Jesus' day, parents loved their kids. But kids just weren't at the same kind of social level that, that adults were. They, they were looked down upon. So when the kids would come up to Jesus and want to sit on his lap or wanted to hold his hand, the disciples would say, get out of here, kid. You know, leave, leave the rabbi alone. Move along, you know, trying to separate him so he could be focused on the important people. And Jesus took that very child and said, if you welcome this child, then you are great. Then you are the greatest. Because Jesus wants us to be great. He's just redefined what greatness is. Jesus wants us to be great in our ability to serve others. Jesus wants us to be great in our ability to be humble. Jesus wants you to be great at caring for others that most people overlook listening to the stories of people that others don't want to hear their stories. That's where Jesus wants you to be great. He says, when you welcome this child, you welcome me. And he says, when you welcome me, you welcome the one who created it all. You welcome the Father God, the creator. 
And Jesus made this connection for us that our ability to embrace the presence of God the Father is directly connected to our ability to embrace those who others are avoiding, those who others are writing off. If we can embrace them, if we can welcome them, we are actually connecting ourselves to our Father God. The ones that other people would say, I have no time for you, those are exactly the ones that Jesus invites us to welcome, to reach out to, to get to know, to listen to their stories. Those that are overlooked, when we offer food and water and shelter and clothing to those on the edges of our community, Jesus says, you are welcoming me. You are welcoming your Father God. Your care for others is the true measure of your greatness. The ways that you care for others, that's how you measure greatness according to Jesus. Our welcome and love is displayed through service and care. As we serve others, as we care for others, we're learning how to welcome and how to love. We don't evaluate people based on what they can do for us. We welcome and love everyone by serving them and caring about the things that matter to them. We see value. We see God's image in the life of every person that we encounter, especially those that have a different experience than we have, those that might live differently than we live, those that might even believe differently than we believe. We learn how to welcome them and love them. Tomorrow is a national holiday when we remember and and celebrate the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His fight against racism and segregation eventually led to his assassination in 1968 at a hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. I've stood in that hotel. I've listened to the stories of that season of that, that civil rights movement. In 1957, Dr. King was speaking at a conference about human rights. And after he spoke, he prayed. And I just want to read to you a part of that prayer that he lifted up before that that gathering. Here's how he prayed. God, grant that right here in America and all over this world, we will choose the highway, the righteous way, the good way, a way in which men will live together as brothers, a way in which every man will respect the dignity and worth of all human persons, a way in which men will be able to stand up and love their enemies, bless those persons who curse them, and pray for those individuals that spitefully use them. See, Dr. King didn't encourage us to get rid of people who bother us and burden us. He reminded us to love one another, especially those that don't agree with you. And this perspective that he lived out of, it it developed, it grew in his life because he had a connection with Jesus, because he was pursuing this new life with Jesus. Our welcome and love is displayed as we serve and care for all people. Jesus was helping his followers understand that when he put a child before them and said, you need to learn how to welcome this child, learn how to love and to care for all people. Let's go back to Luke 9 here. Just two verses at verse 49, John responds to this child in front of Jesus, and John says, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. I wonder, was John, like, bragging when he was talking to Jesus? Like, look what we did. We, we shut this guy down. Or, or was he asking a question to try to clarify, what do you mean by welcome a child? What do you mean by welcome? Maybe we welcome this child, but certainly we're not supposed to welcome everybody. You know, where's the line? This guy, he's not part of our group, and he's throwing your name around, so we try to shut him down. We're not supposed to welcome him, right? And Jesus says, again, you're missing the point, John. This is not an exclusive thing that God is doing in the world today. It's not limited to a chosen few. 
John was concerned about the, the corporation. He was concerned about the org chart more than he was concerned about the movement of God. There was this desire to protect the power structure and the, the inner circle while God was moving in powerful ways all around them. And they, it's almost like they didn't want to see that happen. The Life Application Bible Commentary has a good note on this passage. Here's what it says. It says, Here the disciples displayed their tendency to become a closed group. We still kind of suffer from that, don't we? We have this tendency to become a closed group. By challenging the credentials of an outsider, these disciples were attempting to funnel access to the power, teaching, and authority of Jesus through themselves exclusively, trying to make it just about what they could allow to happen. Let's make sure we limit it to just what we can create and what we're okay with. Why are we praying for other churches this month as we start this new year? Why are we lifting up Presbyterians and Anglicans and the Vineyard Church and non-denominational churches. We're a, we're a covenant church, right? Why are we lifting up these other churches? It's because they lift up the name of Jesus. We might not agree about everything, how we practice our faith. We might not agree on theology in every way, but we lift up the name of Jesus. So we're going to focus in on that. Yesterday, I was at a celebration for Dr. Martin Luther King uh, weekend, and it took place at a church just up the road here, and it's a church that uh, I don't agree with all of their theology. I don't agree for everything they stand for, but they're lifting up the name of Jesus. And they're saying, let's celebrate that, that Jesus loves all people, that we should learn how to love all people, especially those that are different than us, to seek justice for all people the way that Dr. King talked about. So we're going to focus in on Jesus together, even though we might not agree in every way. So in this way, our welcome and love is displayed through partnerships in the kingdom. As we come alongside others who are part of what God is doing in the world today, as they're lifting up the name of Jesus, we want to be alongside them and celebrating what God is doing through them. Uh, because the kingdom of God is certainly not about what's happening just here in this room, right? The kingdom of God is moving and active all around us, all around this world. And we are a part of it. And we get to celebrate what he's doing. That's why we partner with Mission Adelante and Freedom Fire and Refuge KC because they're helping us come closer to those that are different than us. They're helping us listen to the stories of others that people are, are not listening to their stories, to stand with those on the fringes that we might see what God is doing in their life, that we might bring the good news about Jesus to them as well. So we partner with them. We want to see the common good, and we want to lift that up. And as we do that, we are welcoming and loving as Jesus called us to. Of course, Jesus also said some things that challenge how we think about this. Later in, in Matthew 12, Jesus said, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Sometimes Jesus said things that are confusing. How does that match up with when he said, for whoever is not against us is for us? Well, I think Jesus is reminding us that there's a call for decision when it comes to Christ. And he makes uh, he talks about his authority. He talks about coming to, that he is the only way to know God the Father. And so we have to make a decision. It's not enough to just be a fan of Jesus. He is God in the flesh. He has authority over our lives, and we have to make a decision about that, either to surrender to his way or to stand opposed to it. There's no halfway measure. I think that's part of what Jesus was trying to say in Matthew 12 there. You have to make a decision. And every person is along this journey encountering God. God is at work in every life that you see. Even those that, that aren't acknowledging that there's a God, he is still working in their life. Everyone is along the journey, and we get to come alongside them and point out where, where God is at, at work in their life. We get to illuminate 
those spiritual things that sometimes they don't even see. We get to be part of that story. So we partner with, with anyone that lifts up the name of Jesus. We want to do that with them. Let's go back to Luke here and look at this last little part of verse 51 to verse 56. One more time where the disciples have a chance to understand what does it mean to welcome and to love. Verse 51, as the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there in that village, they did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, John, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and, and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went on to another village. They wanted to call down fire and wipe them out. Retribution, they won't let us come to their town, so we're going to just destroy it, you know. Uh, they're still not catching this idea of welcome and love that Jesus has for them. To understand this, it might be helpful to talk a little bit about the Samaritans and the Jewish people and why they didn't like each other, because they certainly didn't like each other in Jesus' day. There's a lot of friction there. Uh, the Samaritans were in this middle region with Israel to the north and Israel to the south, and 400 years before Jesus walked the earth, uh, another empire had come and taken Israel cap captive and, and taken them out of the land, but those that stayed behind, they began to compromise on their faith. They began to worship fake gods and false gods. They began to water down their, their walk with God and their understanding of the Ten Commandments, and uh, they even built a, a temple in their area of, the, of Israel there. They built their own temple to the other fake gods and to what they thought was the true God as well. And they tried to blend that worship together, which you can't do. And so when Israel returned to the land, they didn't come back into the Samaritan area. They just, they kind of excommunicated those people. They saw them as almost like half, half Jewish, not full Jewish people. And this, this strife began between them. About 100 years before Jesus came, the nation of Israel invaded Samaria and destroyed their temple, took it out. And so maybe that's partially why here the Samaritans didn't want to welcome Jesus, because they knew he was heading to Jerusalem, he was heading to their temple. And they're like, well, you destroyed our temple, so you're not welcome here. And the James and John say, well, do you want us to call down fire? These Samaritans, they're not sparking joy for us, Jesus, you know? How about we call down fire? You ever want to call down fire on your neighbor? You ever want to do that? That's what James and John wanted to do. And Jesus he, he rebukes them. He says, that's not the way. That's not what we're going to do. There's a, there's a different way to live. And, and notice they move on to the next village. He, he says, let's just move on. They're not ready yet. Let's just move on to the next village. There's times when Jesus would tell stories and the hero of the story would be a Samaritan. He was trying to challenge this, this friction. When he, when he left the earth, right before he left in Acts chapter 1, he said, now I want you to go and be my witnesses to Jerusalem. I want you to start with the Jewish people. And then to Judea and Samaria, the rest of Israel and the Samaritans, and he put them at the same level. I want you to be witnesses to them, even these that you don't like. I want you to be witnesses to them. And then he said, and then to the ends of the earth. In the Great Commission, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, that they might come and know the good news of Jesus. He talks about this invitation. It's like a, a dinner feast, he said. Someone planned this great meal and invited people to come, and then the, 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 the feast came, and they began to make excuses why they couldn't come. And so he said, well, then go out and find others to come. Luke 14, Jesus says, here's the instructions that the master of the banquets gave. He said, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that God's house might be filled. He says, bring them in. Put the kingdom of God before all people. 
And they'll, they'll choose if they want to embrace it or if they want to reject it. He says, that's not up to you. You just continue to bring that good news to people. You compel them to come in that they might know this new kind of life. We are called to bring people in. Our welcome and our love is displayed through compelling people to come in. We don't reject, we don't retaliate, we don't de- call down fire. It's interesting, we sang a song this morning that said, Lord, bring your fire down, right? But that, that's a transformational kind of fire. That's a, a refining fire, a good fire for us. That's not what James and John were talking about. We're not called to bring down fire on people, but to make space at the table for them, to welcome and love them. It's the great commission that, that Jesus gave us. So I want you to find a, that piece of paper on your seat when you came in. There's this little card. It has a map of Kansas on one side, Kansas City, and what I'll call a neighborhood map on the other side. I want you to look at this this neighborhood map for a moment. I want you to think about your neighbors. If you know your neighbors, there's times when when our neighbors and us, we don't get along, right? There's times when you might be tempted to call down fire too, but, but we're invited to live in a different way. And I want you to think about your neighbors for a moment. You know, you live in the neighborhood you live in, not because of the great schools that were there when you were looking for that house. It's not because it had the square footage you were looking for or because you were able to get a good rental fee for that apartment. You're not in the house you're in because you were able to haggle the price down to what you wanted. You're in the house you're in today or the apartment that you're in today because God placed you there on purpose. God put you there for a reason. Paul, the first century church planter, was once in Athens, and he talked about this in Acts 17. He said, God himself fixed beforehand the exact times and the limits of the places where all people would live. What Paul was saying is that God placed you where you are at this time, in this place, for a specific reason. And it's so that you could be about the kingdom in your neighborhood, that you would know your neighbors, that you would learn how to love them. You're in that home, you're in that apartment, you're in that RV, whatever it is, because God placed you there. And part of your role is learning how to welcome and love your neighbor. How do you, how do you begin to love your neighbor? The first step to loving your neighbor is, is knowing their name. If you want to know how to love your neighbor, you've got to know their name. You can't love someone until you know their name. And so this is a chance to think about that. As you look at this little map, your house is right in the middle there, and then around you are other people. This is your apartment, and around you are the other apartments, the other homes. Can you name the people that live there? Do you know the names of your neighbors? Some of you are like, yeah, I got that, and you're already filling it in. Like, just write down the names of people that live around you. You've got it. Others of you, you might have some gaps. You might say, well, I know the guy over here, but I don't know this family yet. I haven't met them. So here's my homework for you this week. If you want to love your neighbor as you love yourself, it starts by knowing their name. So you need to go over and meet them. Introduce yourself. Get to know their name. Put this on your your refrigerator and fill it in as you go through the neighborhood and pray for your neighbors. Put it by your bedside. Let it remind you that you're called to bring the kingdom of God to your neighborhood, to your apartment complex, to your school, wherever you find yourself. And, And you start loving people by knowing their name. Tom and Kat came over and welcomed us to the house when we moved in there about a year and a half ago, and they brought some housewarming gifts as part of the HOA that we're a part of. But now I know Tom. When I see him, I say, hey, Tom, how you doing? I've gotten to know Susan and, and others that live around us, Hank, Hank and Jake and Bobby, and these are our neighbors. We're getting to know their names, and we're getting to know them. If if you, the first step from stranger to acquaintance is getting to know someone's name. So that's my homework for you. Get to know their name and pray for them. And as you do that, you might have opportunity to welcome them into your home, to welcome them into your life, to to be able to show them what God is doing in the world around us, to hear their stories, to hear what God's already uh, up to in their life. 
to invite them into a relationship with Jesus. We get to be involved in that. That's what it means to welcome everyone and to love all, to be about the kingdom and what God is calling us to be about in this world today. I want to pray with you about that because, you know, we can know names and we can share our stories, but it's, it's God that transforms lives. It's the Spirit of God that draws people to himself. So we need to ask God to move in the lives of our neighbors. So let's pray and ask him to do that. Will you, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you are with us this morning, that you love us, that you forgive us, that your grace surrounds us, that we have been adopted into your family as adopted sons and daughters. We thank you for your mercy. And we pray that you would help us, Lord, as we think about those that are around us, those that live in our neighborhood, those that live differently than we live, those that that look differently, that have had a different experience. Father, would you help us grow in our ability to welcome and to love all those people that you have placed us close by? Might we learn the names of our neighbors? Might we pray for them, Father? Might you put them on our hearts that when we see them, we, we don't avoid, we don't go into the garage, but we walk out and we say hi. We ask how they're doing, we hear their stories, we create relationships that we might be able to know what you're doing in their life and help them to see you, Father. We are followers of Jesus. We have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, our Creator and our Savior. And Jesus, you have invited us to be people that welcome and that love. So we ask that you would help us to live that way today, this week. Might we see the stories of transformation in our neighborhood. Help us to see, Lord. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.